0: It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses.
1: Hey friends, today you're in for a treat. Steven Scaniello is here. Stephen is a world renowned gardener, historian, author, lecturer, designer, and a consultant for public and private gardens. He currently serves as the curator of the Peggy Rockefeller Rose Garden and a consultant for the Elizabeth Park Rose Garden. Well, it's said that every rose has a story. Stephen just may know most of them. I'm sure today we'll be educated, enlightened, and entertained as we chat with a master storyteller about his favorite subject, roses. So, hey, Stephen, welcome to Rose Chat.
2: Well, thank you, Teresa. It's great to hear from you again.
1: Oh, so good to have you. Stephen, as you know, I've just returned from a trip to New England, and I've been to New York and Boston, but never farther north, and I've always wanted to go, and now I know what what I was missing.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we have some good cold-weather roses up there.
1: Oh man, some beautiful. It's just what a beautiful place in general. And now that I have family in coastal Connecticut, it's going to mm-hmm. be a place I visit often. And that makes me a lot closer to many of the rose gardens that are near and dear to your heart. So yeah. let's talk about some of those gardens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, let's start with the Elizabeth Park Rose Garden because. That's fresh on my mind. I was there. It may have been the hottest day of the year, but I was there and it was beautiful. And it was really overwhelming to me. It was so much bigger. Just so tell our listeners about this garden.
2: Well, it's the oldest public rose garden in our country. It was first, it first bloomed in 1904. And what you see now is, um, A two and a half acre of continuous flowering roses, and we have um, several roses that were planted there in 1904, still in the very same beds they were planted in. Um, and we have magnificent arches, 75 arches, covering over the over the pathways, and predominantly covered in excelsa and other red ramblers.
1: So impactful. And I wasn't even there when most of them were blooming, but I'd seen the pictures and I knew there were arches. I guess I just thought there was one pathway that kept being photographed. Mm -hmm. It was, it was mind blowing to see all those arches. I mean, just beautiful.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, that's what I'm working on right now is getting, getting the arches back into shape. And when I started at the Rose garden, Oh, seven or eight years ago, my In my mind, I saw the arches as my biggest challenge, but I've met others since then. <laughs> <laughs> we have wonderful fences that, that enclose the garden, and they are covered with roses, mystery roses. Oh. So I have been trying to gather as much information as I can find in old rose journals or books about this garden to figure out who's, who's who on the fence.
1: Um, one of the things that I noticed, I read a lot of the um, of the um, <clears throat> markers and it talked about the Friends of Elizabeth Park. And it talked about there was a time when there was talk of plowing this garden.
0: Oh,
2: that's right. And not just the, not just plowing, but bulldozing it.
1: Oh, and there were friends who stepped up and I thought, whoa. Yeah. Well,
2: well, this, is a great, this is a great story. Um, you know, the whole property was a donation from Mr. Pond. Who gave us all the land for the park but he willed it to Hartford which is actually across the street from where the gardens are so even though it, the gardens are in West Hartford they're maintained by Hartford gardeners, or so they were and during the 1970s when the economy was crashing all around us the city of Hartford decided they couldn't afford to keep 13 gardeners working in this Mm -hmm. rose garden. So they, they hired a bulldozer and I like to think on the very same day this happened, but a group of women from the neighborhood showed up and said, no, you're not gonna do this. We're gonna take over and we're gonna raise money to save this rose garden. So it became known as Elizabeth Park Conservancy. Three years ago, the woman who spearheaded that project she's no longer with us but what happened is her foundation the helen s command foundation gave us a million dollars to maintain the rose garden
1: wow it's good to have friends even if you're a rose
2: (laughs) it's right (laughs) friends with deep pockets (laughs) and
1: friends with deep pockets help help that helps too i just can't even imagine i just can't even imagine now not a part of the main rose garden but the heritage rose garden of course the heritage Mm -hmm. roses get to my heart and you have your own special place and it's a beautiful place well for the heritage roses
2: when i saw that happening i'd heard it was happening and i would sneak up now and then to see the progress and uh, it seemed to be stuck in stuck on the hold and um I think there was some disagreement as to what the garden was going to be about. But when I showed up unannounced, they saw me and we had an impromptu meeting and I convinced the, the garden club, the, the garden club is the um, Connecticut Valley Garden Club, and they it, this garden was a gift from them. I, I convinced them to keep going, do, do this, make this garden for old garden roses. We need it and it'll be the most popular spot in this rose garden. And it continues to be incredibly popular, incredibly fragrant, and um, a very interesting collection of roses reside there.
1: Well, when I was there, of course, the roses weren't in bloom. There were a few, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you understand when I say that when I walked through that garden, I saw the names of the roses, and I mm-hmm. saw, they were they were. F- filled with rose hips, and, and they're so definite. You know, there's different sizes and colors. I just felt like I was in the company of friends, and I knew many of their stories, not as many as you know, but <laughs> there's a beautiful collection there, and I was thrilled to see it. And just as I was leaving, there were lots of families with strollers. They were all milling about, and I was so glad to see that. <laughs> but just as I was leaving to go out, the sort of the back property the, the back side of the property there was one rose blooming i don't know which one it was but there was one and i thought that was just for me
2: that might have been Zephyrin and druin
1: maybe maybe but we
2: have a couple of roses in there we have of course wherever i go we end up with mystery roses and <laughs> um t- two that came to me as a gift one from the uh, rose society of the connecticut rose society a rose that was found growing very close to Frederick Olmsted's grave in Har- in um, Hartford, and it looks like an old French hi- uh, French Gallica from Empress Josephine's day, mm-hmm. um, but we there's no other identification to it, so we call it the Old North Cemetery Rose. And the other rose, which I was so thrilled to get, is the Shipwreck Rose, and that's a rose that was found on the beaches in South in, in um, East Hampton, New York. the Louis Philippe was the name of the ship, and it was a gra- it was running aground and in danger of being destroyed by the surf. So the crew threw all the cargo overboard to save the ship. And much of that cargo was plants, especially roses. And there were people on the beach that April morning in 1842 who rescued the roses And brought them to their homes in Sag Harbor and today there are still shipwreck roses growing in these old gardens and we call it the shipwreck rose because we don't know what it is. (laughs) In my eye it looks like it might be a a damask hybrid but it's a beauty and um, you need to come back in June in May or June to see it again.
1: Oh, I want to. I definitely want to. Now, there was one, um, I took the, a name of the tag. I'd never heard of this rose before. Frederick II of Prussia? Prussia. Tell us about yeah, that Fre-
2: one. Frederick II. That came to me from Greg Lowry. He had a few plants of this rose. Where it, where it originated, I'm not sure. In this country, I'm not sure. But it's a French hybrid. It's one of the hybrid Chinas. And it is a spectacular rose. It's a, a deep violet, produces flowers and, and massive clusters and blooms through all of May and into part of June. And I, I would highly recommend it. Um, if visitors were truly in love with this rose the way I am, I might even share a few cuttings. Oh.
1: <laughs> I heard that I heard that, um, you know. Talk to me about that. Is there any way? Um, how do you get these back into commerce?
2: Well, we we actually have been sort of successful. Um, a nursery in Texas, in central in Tyler, Texas, is um, going to be pushing out the um, uh, Peggy Martin roses, which. Are pretty available everywhere but now that a modern-day high uh, rose nursery has shown some interest um, the door continues to open and they're looking at other old garden roses what I feel is really important is that I've created and um, the Garden club with with their help of course we've created a garden that is sort of a safe home for roses that might be in danger in their original spots Mm -hmm. so we have these plants and what I started doing this past year, I had a propagation class. We did a we did a pruning day with the old garden roses, and I taught the volunteers to how to how to root roses from um from a cutting.
1: So they get to take what they rooted home. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ooh, good. Yeah, yeah, keep doing that.
2: They're on their own after the <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, I'm. I always try. I, I don't have a huge success rate, but I do get some. And when I do, I am, you know, people hear about it because I'm quite pleased with uh-huh. myself.
2: Well, but you do have to stay.
1: To, you have to stay with them.
2: I'm happy to say that I have a, a Frederick the Second of Prussia in my garden in New Jersey, and I know there's a couple that have been shared with historic properties in Connecticut. Connecticut is loaded with historic gardens. It's, it's truly amazing. It's truly beautiful.
1: Mm. I'm going to have to get, when I'm back, I'll get around to more of them. Um, How has it been, you know, I'm in five B. Has it been grown um, in colder areas than you? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think it's probably, I I would say it's easily hardy to zone five, if not zone four.
0: Mm -hmm. Great. It's really,
2: and in fact, when the garden club, Finish with their their with their wonderful donation of this garden. Um, I focused on plants with the exception of two. I focused on plants that were indeed uh, door, uh, able to survive the cold winters of Hartford. They get very little protection. I have one one problem, rose, and that's souvenir de Malmaison, and I have to create sort of a, um, a evergreen cage over that plant to get it through the winter i tried switching to something more interesting or more durable but the garden club ladies all shook their heads no <laughs> <laughs> now, i'm not going to mess with them
1: <laughs> no no i would not
2: but we have we have two very sophisticated we have two we have some very sophisticated rabbits in this rose garden and the minute i put i have a potted green rose and a potted bellfield, which may be the original Slater's Crimson China. Mm. The day I put those plants, I, I simply sink the pots into the ground and then take them out in the winter and put them in a cold greenhouse. But the rabbits are there with their silverware and napkins ready to go. They, they have managed to chop both of those roses down to the ground and then beg for more.
1: We've had critter problems galore here. You know, kind of I think the drought conditions just bring them in. They're just desperate for anybody that waters anything. We don't have drip, but there are areas that we water by hand. And boy, where we water, they just come and they just wreak havoc. So bunnies are very hungry and and they just don't have the best manners.
2: Do you have bears?
1: We don't have bears. We have groundhogs, raccoons, possums, and rabbits and deer.
2: Well, we had a bear sighting last week, and it looked like he was checking out the work that my gardeners have done on the fence line, and another bear came to a concert. We have concerts oh. in the park. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and they Are big. these black
1: brown bears, brown bears? What have you they're, got? They're
2: brown, brown bears.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah, and, they're, they're, and I'm, I'm prepared to give them a pair of pruners. So, well, if you're going to hang out here, guys... Let's make the best of it.
1: <laughs> oh, you better give them a wide berth. <laughs> they look sweet, but they are not. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're not I'm, discriminated I'm by you Ital- or what.
2: <laughs> I'm an Irish Italian gardener and I don't mess around with any bears.
1: <laughs> no, no. Now you briefly mentioned evergreen boughs. So tell our listeners what else you've been doing with those evergreen boughs.
2: Well, the evergreen boughs are used to cover the arches and we start at about five feet above the ground and the arches can reach up to seven and a half to eight feet so we fill we cover the the complete arch over the pathway with we cover them with evergreen boughs and that is more to really more about protecting the roses from the winter sun which can be full you know um mm-hmm. it miscon- could be um it may encourage new growth too early mm-hmm. so the, the evergreen boughs create a shade over the live wood and um, it also looks great mm-hmm. again the garden club has threatened to show up with, with um, drinks and um, sing Christmas carols as we work
1: <laughs> I'm surprised they're not talking about Christmas lights over them
2: oh it's that, that's been mentioned and in <laughs> fact one day I find a big red ribbon hanging from one of my arches
1: I <laughs> love it i love it well well done i've never heard of anyone doing that before but it is you know it's something that i'm well, going to consider you know, you
2: know who did it um i've picked it up from the book by buist b-u-i-s-t buist was a, a, a gardener in philadelphia and he grew a lot of roses that were borderline hardiness and he used evergreen boughs to protect them from the winter sun
1: wow it's really a a stellar idea. We had a very disappointing spring. The deer had munched so much. I have big arbors, as you know, covered, and they had munched so much. And then we'd had some crazy winds and some late weather. And I didn't have my, I lost that covering over my Mm-hmm. Over, um over my arbors so you know everything's scampering you know peggy martin and all the others are scampering crazy you know they're gonna you know they're not gonna let that happen to them again i don't think but uh-huh. i'm thinking if if you know if the deer don't like evergreens it could help me a little bit you know so i'm thinking well, about it it's hard it. to say when,
2: when the deer are hungry there's no there's no stopping them yeah. and uh fortunately we don't have as i knock on wood we don't have any deer um we have some very friendly hawks who will sit very close to us as we're working, waiting for their next meal. Um, they're they're fascinating creatures, and they sit there as if they're studying our work. and And um, we throw them a worm now and then, but they really want something bigger, so like like a bunny or a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> so look out, guys. <laughs> oh,
1: well, you've got bears, so there may be the survival of the fittest there. So. <laughs> i think the bear's gonna win i don't know well steven (laughs) let's stay um up there but let's move over to um the peggy rockefeller rose garden i was there i think right before you came um um, another beautiful beautiful rose garden so did peggy rockefeller love roses is that why we have this garden (sighs)
2: Yeah, she she actually came to the Botanic Garden with a friend and um I think the friend had a already had planned this and they ended up looking at the original drawings by Beatrix Ferrand, who was the landscape architect who designed the Rose Garden. And um the garden was they, 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 they created the garden, but they ran they ran out of money. So they never finished the project and it was sort of half done there was no architecture it was just mounds of roses and they finally gave up on it and and um took it took it all in and and buried everything but when mrs rockefeller came by with her friend and saw what was missing she and her husband david uh gave us very generous gifts to get the garden finished as it was meant to be in 1916 mm. and it's it's really a beautiful um you know Elizabeth Park, I really love. It's got an an amazing soul. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love the Peggy Garden as well because it's so sophisticated. And um, my crew, my my gardening crew and my backstage crew have managed to practically grow these roses on a spray-free situation. Um, We can't guarantee that every year. We never know what the weather is going to bring. But instead of spraying the plants with chemicals we have been feeding the soil with with really good material that creates um it's been creating a um, perfect situation for rose growth for root growth and um, unlocking the nutrients that are in the soil with with organic fertilizers and i tell you the foliage today is still stunning as it was in june
1: You know, you're on to something. Diane Summers was um, here a couple of weeks ago and she talked about, you know, as president of the American Rose Society, she travels all the time and she has Mm -hmm. you know hundreds of roses. And so a friend of hers gave her a tip. She's not going to be there all summer to take care of them and to fertilize them and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And she told her in the spring, you know, cover, uh, cover the ground with a rich compost
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: just let it go. She says the roses yep. have done beautifully yep. with her gone. So, yep. I mean, she had a video up of her garden. I mean, I think you're really onto something. If people have access to good, rich compost, it is the way to go. Um,
2: yeah. You know, and I'm I'm one of the guilty ones who, who encourage people to use lots of fertilizer, you know, every <laughs> month, dump fertilizer in there. And, and every, you know, if you see black spots, spray, 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 but, now it's really if you manage the soil properly, and, and I know on your, your podcast, people have talked about good soil. Actually, one person kept calling it good soul, and I wasn't <laughs> sure what he was talking about, but he said the soul has to be good. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is our great friend from Tennessee, and he That's says right. it just a little different than you do. <laughs> Oh, well, now my daughter and I, when we were there, we fell in love with Pompanella Rose, which is blooming beautifully in my which, garden. Which She's, one? Pomponella. Is she still there? Oh, yeah.
2: Yep, yep.
1: What a great rose. She just flounces just enough this time of year to lay over the fence, and we can uh-huh. see her from the kitchen window. She's just beautiful. She's bright enough to just show off and so healthy, hardly needs anything.
2: Now, so I think that's one of the Cordis Roses. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So we, we have been celebrating, um, the Cordis roses. They're they're phenomenal. Mm -hmm. We've also been putting in some new Mayans. Um, what comes to mind is Poseidon, which is a tall lavender rose.
1: Beautiful rose. And
2: we also have a wonderful new rose from Italy from, from a grower named Barney B-A-R-N-I. And I believe he's in Tuscany. And, um, he, he sent this Rambler to my friends and Tyler and it is the most incredible fragrant rose I've ever, ever grown. Ooh. And it looks like Rosa multiflora when it blooms. But, but imagine the small flowers in shapes like a wisteria. Oh and um, we, we're, we planted 13 of those ramblers on the gazebo, which is a dark color. So in the spring, and, and I mean, they're blooming right now and they're four feet tall. Um, They they will soon be to the top of the gazebo next next season, probably, with dripping um, wisteria-like flowers that are incredibly fragrant.
1: You need to get pictures on Facebook of that so we can
0: see it.
2: Yeah, you're right. I was there yesterday wondering if I would have time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My schedule
2: is so crazy with all the roses out there, but I love it.
1: It is so beautiful. I remember the steps leading into the garden. I mean, it was grand. You just knew you were going someplace special. In uh,
2: 2007 years ago, that seems to be the magic number. Maybe it was eight years ago. (laughs) We honored Julie Andrews. (sighs) But Julie wouldn't take the honor unless I was with her.
0: Oh,
1: I have chill bumps.
2: So I figured, well, okay, I guess I can do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, big
2: of you. And they had me and Julie at the top of the staircase. <sighs> and as they started the music, it was the soundtrack to the sound of music. I tell you, Teresa, I was flying. Oh. And I, I said, let's, it was, it was amazing.
1: <laughs> oh, it is a beautiful setting. I bet you were over the moon and she was. Well, too. it
2: got better a couple of years ago. We, we honored Bette Midler. Oh. <laughs> And when I told Bette Midler who her parents were in, to the audience, um, I think the mother was Sunny Skies, and the father was Pope John Paul II. <laughs> and yet, yeah, she nearly jumped off the stage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, how special! You've had some special moments in roses. No, unforgettable. Sure. Yeah. Unforgettable.
2: You know, we have well, Julia Child, that's one of Tom Carruth's roses, and it's mm-hmm. an amazing rose yeah. in both gardens, in Elizabeth Park and in the Peggy Rockefeller. Phenomenal rose, and um, I, I I spent a lot of time trying to explain to the young students who are 20-somethings who Julia Child oh, was.
1: That hurts me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that hurts especially, me.
2: Too. Especially on the day I was planting Doris Day, which was a, a hybrid from... Um, julia child and they were clueless mm. it took and even my eight bars of case sarah didn't wake them up <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i can't even understand that oh my goodness well it, you know when they fall in love with cooking you know they'll, they'll make the connection <laughs> maybe maybe oh my that hurts me to hear but that is a beautiful rose and it has stayed beautiful yeah. um you know, you know it stood the test of time and i think i heard that Julia saw it and, yep. and loved that it was named for her. And I wasn't there a story about butter or something? Yep.
2: Yep. Tom, Tom told me the story, Tom Carruth, who created it, that they brought the rose to her and uh, she fell in love with the, the one they picked because it reminded her of her two heart attack ingredients, <laughs> butter and cream. <laughs> <laughs> and it smelled like a candy.
1: <laughs> oh man, it is a really great rose. Well, let's stay in New York, but now move to how an old-world custom of planting roses on the graves of loved ones sent you on a search for old That's roses. That's right.
2: I was um my first <laughs> or second year as a rosarian, I was working at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. And I had the honor of meeting Tony Hiss, who was at that time writing for um, the New Yorker. So he had heard of uh, of the cemeteries with roses, and he, he invited me to join him. And he wrote about it in uh, the New Yorker, our journey looking for roses. And we couldn't find any in the cemetery in Harlem. So I that seed stayed in my mind for many years until oh, about 2009. I got together with Malcolm Manners from Florida Southern and his, high, his college students in the <laughs> program and neighborhood kids, kids from shelters, kids from family houses and um, with all, with 300 rose plants, all rooted by the students from Florida and they traveled to, to Harlem. They weren't allowed to put any clothes in their luggage because they needed as much luggage space for the roses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Malcolm so, was on it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so we ended up leaving the suitcases in some garbage heap because they were so ruined.
1: <laughs> Donation.
2: Yeah, so but, but the roses came, and um, they are flourishing. Um, we, we ended up calling this project the Heritage Rose District of New York City. And I, I had found evidence of, of roses that were growing in Harlem back when Harlem was the Hoy Poloi vacation spot of the rich and famous from manhattan and um so we i have been doing more research about who was growing roses back way way back in new york's history and the roses are now in the cemetery and there i was just there yesterday checking on it and mm-hmm. the new direct that the, the director <clears throat> dan Levitino uh, has done a great job of of um of minding my roses <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you About, can see
2: them spilling everywhere right now. The musk roses are in full bloom. They're phenomenal. Oh, Amazing. Gosh.
1: About three years, maybe four after you um, did this project, I think it was three, my daughter and I spent a day just going through the Harlem district, you know, looking at the roses. And we were particularly interested in the Harrison um Uh, yellow. Um,
2: Did you find Mr. Harrison's grave?
1: We did. You, we actually, you and I talked on the phone and you said, I'm not going to hang up until I know that you can find it (laughs) because our family had a story about Harrison yellow. So I said, we have to find the gravesite," and we did. And there was a rose that was red that was growing there. And um, I don't know why I expected it to be yellow, Harrison yellow, but it wasn't, but we saw so many roses that day it was amazing there were other cemeteries and then other areas and just looking in yards and it was it was a beautiful day just a yeah well, day. we
2: we couldn't put harrison's yellow by his grave because it would have eaten the grave yeah, there is so, that. <laughs> so what we did we put two roses on his grave one was called Le the king and the other one was a rose we found in baltimore an old red um red noisette possibly fellenberg but they, they're they still there at Harrison's grave, but in the corner, just, just a few, maybe 10 feet from his stone is where we planted Harrison's yellow. So they spilled over the wall and down mm-hmm. to the street. Oh. During May, there was always yellow snow, but it's mm-hmm. good smelling yellow snow.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Here, it kind of reminds me of honey. There's something about it. You know, I don't know if that's just here or that's the way it smells everywhere, but but um in our area it smells like honey. So we well, love Harrison it. And it's wasn't early. Really a,
2: a, Harrison wasn't really a fan of roses. He he much preferred camellias. <laughs> so when he found this rose in his garden in western um the western coast of Manhattan Island, he um dug it up, potted it, and he traveled by by uh, boat, by by horseback, by you know, all kinds of ways to get to William Prince's nursery in in Queens the city of Queens and uh, William Prince took one look at that yellow rose and he knew it was a winner and he traded his favorite camellia for the rose. Camellia Harrisonii has disappeared forever from the world, but Harrison's yellow is probably the most famous yellow rose, maybe the most famous shrub rose ever created. And it was created by accident.
1: Well, and it's, you know, it's everywhere, you know, it dotted the, um, the trail um, Mm -hmm. all the way to Seattle. I mean, uh, is it, did we decide that it is the Yellow Rose of Texas?
2: Well, yes and no. Um, The original Yellow Rose of Texas was probably a woman who uh, allegedly entertained the enemy troops, and which enabled the Texans to win the battle. (laughs) Well, there you go. I, I've edited very carefully there.
1: <laughs> well done, Stephen.
2: <laughs> but um, it's she was actually a um, she. She had very pale skin, but she wasn't a slave. But she was um, uh, an indentured servant, and I think she came from Connecticut. And I'm I'm actually trying to find out where she lives now, in somebody's cemetery.
1: Now I was reading your article um in the um Heritage Rose Foundation uh newsletter and did you mention that you have a new project in the Harlem area that's coming up?
2: Well, yeah, the um the, the, the cemetery has really embraced. The cemetery is owned by Trinity Church, which is mm-hmm. a big big church, a big church outfit. Um the Tr- Trinity Cemetery in the south of Harlem below Wall Street rather. Um, is where Aaron Burr, Aaron Aaron Burr, um, who killed Aaron Burr or who, what's his name? Uh, oh, Hamilton. Yes.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) Hamilton's buried there and, uh, a lot of other notable people, but it filled up too fast named sort of moving bodies to Harlem, the village of Harlem. And that's why we have the cemetery up there. So they call it the Trinity Church Cemetery and Mausoleum. Mm Mm-hmm and there's we're hoping that they embrace the pro- there's a project happening next week or two weeks from now where the the head people of Trinity are going to come and and meet the roses and i'm going to give tours and uh depending on the mood they're in they'll get like the deluxe tour or the
0: mm-hmm. nickel and
2: dime tour we'll see
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember seeing a monument I think it was there to Audubon is that
2: yes. Yeah. Yes yeah. the property of the cemetery the cemetery was on is created on land that it, that was adjacent to Audubon's property
0: oh.
2: and his house is no longer there, but it was down by the river It's actually quite a high bluff at that point mm-hmm. and um so audubon um was he was moved into the cemetery, I'm not sure when, but he's there with a huge monument, and so are his family members. Uh, there 's a lot of interesting people the man who wrote the night before christmas he 's he 's buried there, and he was actually a neighbor of mr Harrison Mr Harrison is buried there mm-hmm. um he, he The rest of his family is down in the wall street church cemetery um one little tidbit of uh one one little bit of gossip he never married. But he, when he died, he willed all of his roses to his Polish servant, his Polish maid.
1: Hmm.
2: I would oh, love to meet it. her someday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, there's stories there. There's stories for you there, for sure. Well, it's a beautiful work that you've done. And uh, and so many people have helped. And, and you'd mentioned the students and, you know, um, it, volunteers their, are just so important
2: we had Dar Rosenmeister there the first day um oh. up from from um you know the uh oh gosh I, why is his name slipping my mind
1: leon Jenny. leon
2: yes leon brought some wonderful roses for the project
1: Oh, his property. He did, uh, we did a chat earlier in the year on Ramblers. And, you know, his property is just so beautiful. Mm. And, you know, then we were talking about how, you know, I'm going to get there someday, maybe. And how am I going to get one of your roses in my garden? And then <laughs> look what's happened. Now I have family in Connecticut. I said, I'm going to get there.
2: <laughs> so so who's in Connecticut?
1: Oh, my son.
2: In Stonington? Yeah wow what a wonderful place to live
1: yeah so anyway so we're thrilled um to get to explore that area a bit more
2: you know it's it's not it's not far from where the first red first american ramblers were created oh tell me uh woods woods hole massachusetts which is basically on the other side of narragansett bay it's at the foot of cape cod and that's where Mm -hmm. um The man who did Excelsa and all those wonderful um, small flowered ramblers. Uh, And it's a small garden. And I can't, I'm going to cheat and look at my, uh, let's see, combined rose list. What was his name? Oh, Walsh, Mr. Walsh. That's it.
1: That sounds familiar.
2: So you'll see his roses blooming. And if you drive around there in in, in July.
1: Wow. Wow. This is, this is. You know, I got a lot of little check marks to do. You know, when I'm out there for sure. I mean, there's just so much history on everything out there. It's just really a phenomenal place. So, yes, we get to go to New England and we get to go to Old England. We have family in yeah. England are, and yeah. Are you going so. to
2: England next week?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're pretty soon. Yeah, we're going to be heading there. Are and, you on a uh, tour?
2: Or are you? Are you just
1: visiting traveling? family? Visiting family.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. I
1: mean, we go there a lot, and it's wonderful. You know, another just, uh, it's just you know, you you walk into England and you think, okay, Shakespeare. I mean, things just look really the same in a lot of these small little spaces. Just you say Shakespeare's going to walk right out of the pub.
2: <laughs> that's right. My my first big break in the rose world was to meet Peter Beals. Oh, and he had just published Classic Roses. He came to North America oh. to promote his book. And, um, I, I don't think he, he, we, we had not met, but he was very interested in, 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 in teaching me about roses. And, um, I was pretty young. I just started with the, with roses. I was at the, at the, um, Brooklyn Botanic Garden, Rose Garden, and it was in really bad shape. It was, uh, the roses were not healthy. They were not happy. And I, I couldn't, I didn't know where to start. So he made a suggestion. He said, why don't you come? To England for a short spell, and um, where they let you go? And my bosses said, absolutely, go. And I got to live with Peter and family in this wonderful little country house, a stone's throw from his nursery, which I, I just devoured. And um, I'm sure who who lives in England, a daughter or a son, or? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Well, they probably know about East Enders. <laughs> i was you know i had to watch it every every day with the family with our oh. tea in front of the telly oh. and i am still hooked on that show we watch it every it's here now
1: <laughs> well what a fortunate opportunity my yeah. goodness now one of my favorite roses that i've had for a very long time is a bill's rose and that's flamenco rosita which has another name
2: oh flamenco rosita that's um... a yeah. Ivers
1: Rose, isn't it? Wasn't it first called Ivers Rose or something like that?
2: Yeah, that was created by um, Peter's daughter.
1: Yeah, it's a beauty. Amanda. Yeah, that's a beauty.
2: Yeah, and that's one of our winners. That, that 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 is absolutely a spray-free rose.
1: Yeah, it's a beauty for sure. Well, Stephen, let's talk about a project that you've done fairly recently, um, the Remember Me Rose Garden. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, it's a garden that was created to honor the heroes who crashed the plane outside of Pittsburgh on nine
1: 11.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I can't, I get teary eyed just thinking about it and then going there, I was a mess when I first saw it. Um, but it's such a beautiful project. I, I, I found out about it by accident. Um, it's it's a beautiful garden um designed by people who lived very close or live very close to where the plane came down mm-hmm. that's shanks shanksville pennsylvania mm-hmm. and um again our nursery um certified roses in in tyler texas had the julie andrews rose that's that's one of theirs and um one of their One of their wholesalers in in New Jersey called Hopewell Nurseries donated to the project when they heard about this project and how they were struggling, they donated 475 Julie Andrews roses. Oh, my goodness. And the project looks like if you're looking from the sky down, it's like a compass. It has Mm -hmm. all the points of a compass. And the inner ring, where the points all join together, is where all the Julie Andrews roses are, and they are incredible. Um, I have trouble growing her in in um, Elizabeth Park, but she, the rose is very happy out in the in the fields of Pennsylvania in zone five. Mm. And we have so I've joined joined the group, and I consult with them. I, I give them advice on what to do, what not to do. They had trouble with, with knockout, um, in the beginning, had, had virus, had the rose rosette. Mm-hmm. So I've taught them about rose rosette and what to look for. And, um, we now hand, we now have a uh, workshop, hands-on workshops in the rose garden on, on pruning, on winter cleanup, on winter preparation. Um, so we're getting a, a larger and larger group every year of, of volunteers who come to, um, to honor the, the heroes and it's 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 truly beautiful we we're, we're we've now added um one of the roses uh first lady rose which is a hybrid from um australia which is now in the states and i forget the, the, the it has a very funny oh here it is right in front of me um it's called the Brindabella. Brindabella rose Brindabella first seen that. lady
1: I've seen that in pink.
2: Yes. Classic yeah. pink.
1: Very, very fragrant bright.
2: and it's bushy. Um, it has good reviews from the Connecticut Rose Society. So I I I've added some of those to the forget the um the Forget Me Not Rose Garden. Yeah. Remember me, Rose Garden. <laughs> Remember, me Rose Garden. <laughs> Remember me Rose Garden. I better not forget it. <laughs>
1: I think Brindella has actually won some sustainability awards. So it must be a really good rose.
2: Yes. I got it from one of my favorite rose nurseries to shop locally. Well, for me, it's locally. It's four hours away. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's called Roseland, Roseland Nursery. And they are in in New Bedford, uh, Cushnet, um, Massachusetts, just north of of, uh, Providence, sort of. And um, they have some wonderful old favorites, um, but some wonderful new ones as well. And they're they're a beautiful, old-fashioned style nursery.
1: Well, I can't think of a better way to honor um, those uh, that were lost that day. And I hope it brings comfort to all those who visit. You know, that's something that we're all affected by. Of what happened, and you know, we've just come through nine eleven, and and remembering and just seeing, and it's just, you know, it's just the horror of that time, and and yeah. I can't imagine um, anything better to do to um, to honor a site.
2: And you know, the, the garden is beautiful, and it's it's very simple, but it's very beautiful, and it really, really, it's exactly what they need out there. Because not not far from there, uh, maybe a quarter of a mile is is the actual site Mm -hmm. and it's a big government uh, monument to the to the heroes but Mm -hmm. it's government style but what i love about the remember me rose garden is that it's it's nature it's beautiful Mm -hmm. and it uh, is
1: nature is healing as we know exactly exactly gets people yeah it's it's good for our spirit for sure well, Stephen, before I let you go, let's talk a little bit about uh, another hat that you wear as President of the Heritage Rose Foundation. So, uh-huh. what are you guys doing and what you working on
2: well we're we're always trying to figure out where we're going to meet up next with our members we 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 took part in the big event at the American Rose Center. And it was so hot. Oh my word, it was
1: was so hot. hot, It was a fabulous time. It was so good. Well you were there, right? It was wonderful. You did a fabulous job in your presentation, but it was hot.
2: It (laughs) It was was very hot. hot. And fortunately they I was able to be moved into indoors where it was cool.
1: It was actually cool in that little chapel.
2: Yeah, well that (laughs) chapel was great. Yeah, it
1: was great. I agree. but we're
2: um we're we're talking about um organizing an event somewhere in the country um that will include a members meeting and um we're putting out the, the the newsletter every quarter this is the first one uh for this season it just came out and um um you know it's all online so if you if your listeners are listening and want to know where to get the newsletter, it's just simply join the foundation and and you can get it and some some old older ones as well um We're probably gonna do a planting celebration planting and pruning in the cemetery in the spring uh that's a fun event with the college students mm-hmm. and um what else? Yeah, you know, I'm. Hmm. I'm sure something else will pop up. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm sure you guys have been very busy um, working with the Rambler collection. So yeah. that's been a big project.
2: Yeah. I, did you ever have a chance to see the Rambler collection in Chambersville?
1: No, I didn't.
2: It's no longer there. That's why mm-hmm. Todd, um, Todd um, Claude moved mm-hmm. all those rambler's into onto the property of the um, ARC American Rose Center.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: because there's no safe place to keep them but but there's plenty of room at the ARC and it should should be stunning when they start blooming
1: Uh, yes and I think this this coming spring should be you know their time to shine because they've been Mm -hmm. there a couple of years Mm -hmm. now
2: yeah I actually took a uh, I I bought many many of those ramblers from my clients in um in New York City and New Jersey and um they're they're beautiful, beautiful plants.
1: Yeah, they sure are. You know, I I always say I hope that every rose gardener, no matter how small your garden, you would find a spot for just one of these mm-hmm. historical roses, the mm-hmm. stories, uh, and the ramblers, even the in the ones that are just a little bit more well behaved. That spring bloom and the fragrance yeah. you get with some of them. There's yeah. just nothing like it.
2: Had you ever been to Ann Belovich's garden?
1: No, just pictures.
2: Yeah, that just was a pretty amazing place.
1: She she was amazing. She oh, was amazing.
2: She you know, she built houses with hammers. <laughs> she built a she, she built a yacht. She sailed sailed a <laughs> yacht around the world with her husband, who was a muscle guy, you know, a muscle Mr. Atlas type thing. <laughs> she she was great.
1: <laughs> well one of the her last last few days she was wanting to start a blog. Maybe she even wrote for it I and mean, she was telling, you know, telling people, you know, well, you know, how can I get the word out at this age and stage and so they were setting up a blog for her. I mean, she yeah. you know, she didn't come to roses till she was 60 and she accomplished the largest collection and all of these other things. But she lived to be, was it 96 or something? Pretty
2: close to, close to 100, so, yeah, see, it's, yeah. It's
1: good for your health. It's not just good spiritually. It's good for your health
2: exactly. to grow. <laughs> I think she started out as a teacher. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Phenomenal. And, you know, we have a lot of, you know, of our younger rose lovers. We've got Erin out at Florette Flowers. Who mm-hmm. went to went actually met with um, Ann and uh, got to know her and mm-hmm. took her teams out there and a lot of the roses are being grown in on Fort mm-hmm. Farm, so it's mm-hmm. capturing the attention and I really think a lot of our young growers are very interested. You know, um, I think it was. Uh, the one of the trends this year in gardening was cottage gardening and roses yeah. and that sort of thing. So, yeah. you can't go far in a cottage garden without bumping into roses. So, yeah, and you can't bump a, into one without bumping into another one,
2: <laughs> especially a pillar or two or three or 175.
1: Yes, I know. I know. There's just, <laughs> I call it fireworks and fragrance. There's nothing like that first bloom yeah. of, uh, of those ramblers and the old garden roses and not all yeah. of them are huge i mean some of them i've got them growing up trees but not all of them have to do that
2: <laughs> yeah yeah you have one that grows up a tree or a neighbor's tree or something
1: on the back, we have growing up our trees, and I thought I had lost a couple. I thought, oh, they didn't make it because we planted these evergreens that got so big. And I thought, oh, they didn't make it. Till I went around to the neighbor's property, and they're growing up the back of the evergreens. It's absolutely <laughs> stunning. They're very thankful. I said, oh, is this okay with you? Because it's kind of flouncing on their fence. They go, oh, we love it. It's our borrowed view. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. So I didn't even know. I mean, you know, it's Velschenblau, and um, it's oh. a rambler, a David Austin rambler. Um, I forget which
2: a one, a white one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know that. I i have yeah. that one,
1: yeah.
2: I so have a anyway. rose in my garden. I have a rose called Rosa, um, her, it's Rosa Rogos, Rosa Roxburghii Hertula H I R T U L A. And I can walk under that rose without having any skin scrapped off my head. It's Ooh. it's so tall and so magnificent and it's a big shrub it's on a tree it's like a beautiful shrub peeling bark and prickly hips
1: oh yeah yeah <laughs> some of them will get you if you get too close and some uh, of them you know, like peggy martin you know she has a couple of thorns but nothing much and and several of them are that way i have did, um
2: did you see the peggy martin growing on in my on my office
1: Oh yes, I took a picture of it. I had it on my blog. It was I mean I thought I cannot even imagine what she looks like when she blooms. She's I'll just perfect. You, I'll
2: send you a picture of her in full bloom.
1: <laughs> oh, it's fabulous. Just fabulous. Uh, it's one of my, and then another um, one that does really well for me is just Lane Felagon. Do you have that one? Oh
2: yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's oh, one, one of, of the, our mysteries that I solved.
1: <laughs> oh, really? That's a beauty. Oh she's yeah. and thornless and thornless yeah. fragrant. Reblooms so, Madame, even can for you me.
2: Go to Madame
1: no no
2: oh she she's another thornless and she looks like a you know a big hybrid tea flower mm. really beautiful but she's 19th century
1: oh mm. well, i tell you you'll have to talk to my husband about some of this <laughs>
0: <laughs> people here.
1: ask me how many i have and i always say well i'm not sure but i can tell you who does know <laughs>
2: Well, in my my, my in my garden, place. it's like, where did this rose come from? I said, "What rose? I don't know." <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> the one that's eating them shed. <laughs> <laughs> we had oh. a
2: grandson once. Where'd he go? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. A pillar. He <laughs> became a pillar. <laughs> oh my! Well, Stephen, it's been so fun to have you. Educational, fun, always such a good time, and you know, let's just, let's everybody just take a look at some of these roses and add one to your garden too.
2: Well, please, please come visit. Let me know when you're coming out east.
1: I will. I sir I sure will. Thanks so much for joining me today.
2: You have to try the Rhode Island style clam chowder.
1: Okay. It's, it's a deal. Clear.
2: <laughs> it's a clear liquid. It's
1: oh, great. I did try it. I did try it. It's oh, very good.
2: I love that stuff.
1: <laughs> it's very good. I had both kinds, but yes, it was very good. Yep, highly recommend. Well, friends, thanks for joining us today. Stephen sent me some wonderful pictures of these gardens, and I'll add some of them to our show page. And if you're interested in joining or knowing anything more about the Heritage Rose Foundation, you can find them at heritagerosefoundation.org. Well, until next time, friends, have fun in your garden.
0: You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag #RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.